Now, boys, don't get into any trouble while Mommy and Daddy are gone. And don't make a mess. Do you like parties? Yeah. We can invite all our friends and have soda and pie. Yeah! I hope no bad people show up. Now pity the fool. Living in the 80s. My name's Casey Kasem, and I'm all set to count down the most popular songs in the USA. I want my MTV! Does Theo Huxtable live here? Just say no. Hello, Bass, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. Woo! It says 100% guaranteed, you moron! Hey, where's the meat? I'm a very lucky woman. So am I. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s. The best that we remember. Welcome back, gentlemen. Good to be back. We got such positive feedback on our rap episode, oh. like our favorite rap songs. Yes. We're back to do it again. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the big, you know, the big commotion. I hope they keep talking about rap stuff. Or how many people said, oh, I will come back again in a couple of episodes. <laughs> We've had enough. Can they do another wrestling episode? <laughs> you know what? I had, I had uh, somebody this week that has been listening to the podcast, and uh, they said, you know, it's really good, but those wrestling episodes, I kind of get lost in. I don't, I don't get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, if you're not a wrestling fan, then it, yeah. it's yeah. hard to follow along. At least that's the issue I had. <laughs> <laughs> and the wrestling, the, the, the wrestling podcast, people are probably making fun of us. Yeah. Because, you know. Yeah. I don't know why they would. I think we've got one more in us. I think we do. Imagine that. Yeah. We, we could do best wrestling announcers of the 80s. <laughs> oh, I mean, Gordon Sully is Well, one, it really was one. But yeah. Yeah. Isn't it mean, Lance Ru- mean Gene was good. Lance Russell, I'll take him. Bob Cottle was a good one. Jim Ross. We're losing them. Uh, We're losing yeah. them. Really? Sorry, Sharon. <laughs> Sorry, Sharon. Sorry. Sorry. We're back on track. So this week we are going to talk about our favorite rap artists of the 80s. And uh, it's a short list. It's a short list. It's you got to be a who's who in order to make this list. You got to be low hanging fruit to make this list. Wow. Yes, you do. <laughs> so he's taking a negative and making it a positive. He sure I like is. that. I like he it. Sure I is. like it. So before we do that, we're going to do a little 80s Rewind. So, Mike, let's start off with you, buddy. All right. Doing that again this week. Man. Y'all are actually so surprised. Wow. What am I going to talk about? All right. So, we're closing in on Christmas time. And every year I kind of pride myself in getting my wife a fun, unique gift. Doesn't have to be expensive. You know, yeah, I buy her cruises and, you know, trips, wow. you know, to the beach. Wow. You know, okay. you know, try to be like Matt, yeah, okay. you know. Right. Life goals. Yes. 
But I take pride in that simple gift that gets a good chuckle. She just loves it, and she'll post it on Facebook, and you know, all her friends will comment, "Oh, that mic, he's the best," you know. So. Okay. I was wondering the same. Where is he? So. This year, I always try to outdo myself. So if this airs before Christmas, which I'm sure it will, uh, I just ask that you don't share this with my wife, Misty, because... She doesn't listen to the podcast? (laughs) Not everyone. Wow. Actually, it's been quite a while (laughs) since she's listened. (laughs) So, yes. So I think I'm pretty safe to share my Christmas gift that I'm getting her this year. So remember back in the 80s, we would have photo shoots, you know, whether it's your senior picture or you did your glamour shots or whatever. So this year I'm getting her this tumbler, but it's more than just a tumbler. It's got a, it's got an 80s themed picture in it. And I found one of those websites where you can send a couple of pictures and they'll create this, you know, look last year it was a, she I mean, got her a queen, you know, turned me royal, where she looks like a queen. And then oh. the year before that, I got her the, well, her own Hallmark Christmas movie poster. <laughs> you know? Very thoughtful. Yes, very yeah. thoughtful. So this year... I, I should I, do that this year for my... You should. Just track about two years behind yeah. me, you know. Okay. So this year, um, I found this website called Doggo Vinci. And if you know my wife, she loves her dogs. Like, uh, this one dog is obsessed with her. Like, he never leaves her side. So, they had this 80s picture where, remember the, you'll have the picture like in the lower corner will be like one pose. And then, you know, know, then you have another one that kind of looking away. And, you know, so I found this picture where it's her and her dog and they're dressed in 80s attire. They got their denim jackets on and they've got these lasers shooting you know in the background and stuff so i know obviously it's a podcast and not everybody can see this maybe we'll share it after After christmas Christmas. but here is the the picture oh Oh, that's great that's wow oh so my wife and her dog frankie are wearing denim jackets and 80s style shirts (laughs) That is the best. So what do you, you will definitely have to share that on the on the uh, Facebook page now, at Christmas. What, what's that going to be on? Is it just going to be? It's a tumbler, like a coffee mug, not a mug, but a you know you drink out of you know. So oh, that is yeah. classic. I thought you were going to get her like a like Steve Perry on the tumbler. Yeah, well, that would have been cool too, but not as cool as that. No, her and her, her man her Frankie. Frankie. Her, she loves Frankie. <laughs> wow, that's that's classic. So thank you for sharing. I love it. I love it. In so, two years, I'll get Shelly one. Yes. <laughs> so if you need any Christmas ideas, turn me royal. Fantastic. I don't remember where I got the uh, Hallmark poster, but uh, that one turned out really good. You know, too. you can get like Grace and Kevin on the tumbler. I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> that it. would be good. Kevin, his dog. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that would be really awkward. That would be awkward. His daughter. Really awkward. I have a dog named Kevin. Yes. 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 Kevin, what about your 80s rewind moments? How, how do I follow up that, you know? I don't yeah. know if you can. A few weeks back, we were having a conversation in uh, in our in our text that we have, you know, amongst the four, the four of us. And Mike had asked if I'd seen Urban Cowboy yet. And I said, no, I still haven't seen it. So... I said, I'm going to make a note and, and, and watch it. So 
Uh, my wife and I, I think she said she had seen it back in the 80s. I had never seen it, so we watched it together. And essentially the story is Bud, who is from the country, <laughs> moves to the city. He falls in love with Sissy. She kind of believes that people should have equal roles. Um, he's kind of like the more traditional gender roles. And like so things that she wants to do, he's like, no, no, not, you know, guys should do that, not women. Like he didn't think she should ride a mechanical bull, for instance. Boy, those gender roles. Yeah, I know. Things got carried away. So they get married, but they start drifting apart. Bud starts messing around with a girl named Pam. Sissy starts messing around with a guy named Wes. And Wes and Bud are rivals at this bull riding competition. So Where is that competition held at? uh, Gillies. Gillies, yes. Gillies, baby. Here's the problem I have watching this movie from (laughs) today's standpoint. I'm not watching it from 80s Kevin's standpoint. I'm watching it from today's standpoint. He slapped her around quite a bit. I mean... Well, not just him. And, but that's the thing. She got slapped a that, that is the thing that got me. He slapped her around quite a bit. Now, the first time I was like, wow. I was like, Bud did? Oh, yeah. I don't remember oh, Bud. Oh, he, he remember sure did. Remember at the end? That's, apologize, clear back from when I hit you the first time. Yeah, that yeah. is true. Yeah. yeah, that is a... But the, he apologized. Yeah, lo, lo, way <laughs> after the fact. In fact, <laughs> the first time he like kind of... Almost, he was like kind of almost threatening her, like get in the truck, get in the truck. When she finally, he kind of throws her in the truck, and he says, "Will you marry me?" So that's not a good start to a So here's the irony I saw in him: he kind of slapped her around quite a bit. She leaves him for another guy, who then slapped her around. And then at mm. the end, when he shows up, when Bud shows up, and sees she's got a black guy, he's furious. I was like, "What? Well, you were doing the same thing to her?" <laughs> after this movie, I'm like, "That was." Not without what I was expecting at all. That was not the movie I was expecting. And, and again, I'm watching it from what I know now versus what I knew back in the so 80s. So today's lens versus yes. 1981 yeah. or whatever. So maybe if I'd seen it back then, I would have liked it more. But I was kind of surprised by it. I was surprised by the by the domestic violence. Well, the movie. but then the song Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places just wouldn't have the same meaning now, would it? That's Kevin? true. That That's is right. true. They were definitely looking for love in all the wrong places. So overall, were you entertained by the movie? Did you like it? it had they not had the domestic violence part in it, I would have liked it a lot more. Um, I was curious what was going to happen at the end, whether he was going to win this bull riding competition or not. I was happy with the way it ended, but there, to get to that point, um, some interesting twists, I guess. When Bud puts her license plate back up in the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Takes it out of powerful it. cinema. Mm-hmm. Out of that glove box and back into the back window. That's right. Classic movie. Well, my, mine's not going to be near the um, wonderful story of, of the, the photograph. That's, that's a beautiful story. And, and mine has nothing to do with domestic violence. Although I think it's great to highlight that, Kevin. Thank you for bringing up Domestic violence or podcast. That's good. Oh, that's great. That's great. My, my mine, is, mine is just more nostalgic. I'm, I'm, uh, it's Christmas tree decorating time, and and so uh, we have. My wife is. Um, she says um, she read somewhere that Christmas decorations are not to be done uh, skimpily, but rather as if joy puked in your house or something like that. So we have like four Christmas trees, I believe. Uh, Only four? One, two, three. There's four. One in a diner. Three. Yeah, we got four. Um, but the thing is, is the um, you know one of them is kind of like a like a like a Lazarus or Macy's kind of a tree, real fancy. She she does that one. But we have one that's kind of like a little family tree, and so we get out and we. It's all the decorations that we've kind of gotten on different trips and 
a lot of the grace it made. It's just that that tree is just a you know that one there. But some of those decorations are are, are ones that I remember from my childhood, like that my mom and my uh, grandma had like hand painted. They got you know the wooden ones. I don't know if you guys had any of those. Or, Got like, you know, the wise men and donkey and the camel and the angels, but they're just flat wooden on both sides and people hand paint them. And, and this was, uh, this was just, you know, that was my, my childhood. That was, so, you know, all the Christmas in the 80s had like these same ornaments. And I probably still got, I don't know, five or ten of them still uh, that go on my tree every year. So did we actually put those up uh, just last night. So uh, seeing that was kind of, you know, my little... 80s, yeah, yeah. It's nostalgic. Look at me, Very being, nice. look at me being sentimental. Yeah, I, that's mean, a good... I was going to come with some kind of domestic violence. I was going to date rape. Because <laughs> I covered that already. <laughs> Since you already brought that in, I thought I would go with the homework. Yeah, homework. that's that's uh, true. When you've got those handmade ornaments, or, or it's it's from a vacation or something, you hang it up every year. It's kind of oh, I remember this time, or I remember doing you can't, this. You can't put them on without thinking about right. that stuff, and so right. it's, it's good stuff. But the ones. The ones from my childhood. It's just you know, being. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that I have those. Those are kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Mine is going to go along with the theme this week. So, if you recall back in the '80s, you know, as rap was becoming more and more popular, there were several movies about rap. Break in and break in two, and probably about a <laughs> break in three. Break in I, 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 there, I, there was a break in three actually. Uh, breaking two was breaking two electric boogaloo. <laughs> I was yes. gonna, uh, there was something about a boogaloo. I <laughs> so I watched Beat Street. Yeah, yeah. So the the whole plot uh, takes place in the South Bronx, uh, where there's a, a DJ that's hired to have a house party in an abandoned building, and the whole thing is like getting getting everything together. And the breakdancing battle between the Beat Street Breakers and the rival crew, the Bronx Rockers. And there's even an appearance in this by DJ Cool Herc, who we learned last episode is probably the the first the founder of rap. Maybe that's just maybe debatable. Maybe Noah. Okay. <laughs> so the whole movie, uh, it, it's a little cheesy. It's nostalgic for sure. You hear the music, you see some of the fashions, the way they're talking, the dancing is really good, actually. Uh, and one of the subplots is uh, one of the characters was trying, he's a graffiti artist, and he would just graffiti on you know subway cars and buildings and stuff. And there was a brand new subway car that you would see go through the neighborhood all the time. And he wanted to get this plain white car and just graffiti the heck out of it. So the, you know, the, through half the movie, he's trying to get this this car painted, and there's also known as tagging. Tagging, yes, thank you. That's what it's, that's what they called it. And so throughout the entire movie, he's trying to do this. Well, there is a rival tagger who also had his eye on. Mm-hmm. So they end up fighting in the subway, and our hero gets killed. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, sort of sad, but um, you know, just the the. The movie itself, very nostalgic, very, very much a time capsule of that era and of the hip hop culture from back then. So, you know, Beat Street, not not a bad waste of an hour. And I've minutes. seen it. Yeah, now that you bring it up, I re- yeah. do recall bits and pieces. Yeah. 
So, yeah, check that one out if you are so inclined. It's no urban cowboy, but... No, it's not. It can try, but it's not. All right. Hang tight. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk about some of our favorite rappers of the 80s. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. As promised, we are going to talk about our favorite rappers of the 1980s. Just a disclaimer we had last week, we are not 80s rap aficionados, but we do have an appreciation for, and you know, we like a lot of this music. I mean, it's some good stuff. So we're going to go around the table two times, two times. and we're going to talk about our favorite rappers, you know, our memories. So we're going to start with Mike. Who is probably the closest thing we have to a rap aficionado, and his name's Snowball. How wide are we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Mike, take it away. All right. Last podcast, I was accused of some very low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. So today, I'm picking it right up off the ground. But this is the first rap album I purchased in the '80s. So there is significance. So, who makes up this great rap? Duo, you got Joseph Simmons, Daryl McDaniels, and Jason Mazzell, also known as Run DMC. The name Run DMC was created by uh, Joseph Simmons' older brother, Russell. Anybody ever heard of Russell Simmons? I think I have. Yeah, he was kind of an up-and-coming promoter in New York in the very early 80s. He came up with the name Run DMC, and they hated the name. They're like, this is the end of us. You know, we're not going anywhere with that name. They wanted either to be called the Treacherous Two or the Dynamic Duo. They got overridden by uh, Russell himself, so... In uh, 1984, they um, released their first album, which was the self-titled Run DMC. First rap album I purchased. And let's just say the reaction of my parents, uh, they didn't get it. Of course they didn't. Parents just don't understand. They don't, (laughs) which we found out much later in the 80s. Yes, they, they didn't get it. Like, what is this? I'm out in the driveway. I'm shooting my hoops. I'm playing my Run DMC. We need to get him some counseling, or what do we need to do with this? So their first um, album peaked at number 53 on the Billboard and number 13 on the R&B charts, which we got to admit that's pretty impressive because at this time, rap music is not mainstream at all. Songs that made up that album are It's Like That, Hard Times, Rock Box, and my personal favorite was Jam Master J. Very cool intro. I'm sure Rob will play it for us. Kick off, shoot, jump on the job. Listen to the jam master as he starts to rock. His music is and he's on his way to be the best DJ in the US of A. That was soon followed up in 1985 with King of Rock, um, which 
featured on the self-titled King of Rock, and You Talk Too Much, it reached number 52. So we've gone from 53 to 52. And where to go but up. That's right. Just keep going. And then in 1986, they really had their breakthrough. The um, album was called Raising Hell. It reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, Sharon, we apologize for the profanity. (laughs) Continue, Mike. Yes, Raising H-E double hockey sticks. There we go. Is that better? Much better. Okay. They had this little ditty with this band called Aerosmith. It was called Walk This Way. It's kind of your rock and rap connection. But I actually preferred other songs on the album like My Adidas and It's Tricky. So a lot of people know it's tricky, but I was honestly not that big of a fan of the, uh, the Walk This Way. I wasn't either. I did like It's Tricky, though. I did. That was a good song. Did you like Walk This Way? Yeah. All in all, uh, they released seven albums together and very successful career and definitely my favorite band of the early 80s. I'm just going to, you know, follow up with with, uh, last week's beautiful work of Snowball. No, you're not. I am going to start off with the Fat Boys. When fresh beats and rhymes collide, the result is a hop and the fat boys fight to get ready for this. We give it up, no slacks. You guessed it. The fat boys are back. I'm just, I'm straight fat boy in it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about the fat boys because. You relate to them? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, yeah. I feel. You know what? We could be the fat boys right now. This, <laughs> yeah. Without I'll Kevin. Kevin. Kevin's pretty slim. He could be our manager. Kevin's slim good body. He, he could be our <laughs> slim, good, slim body. good body. The fat boys right here. This is what, the new podcast title. Uh, no, I, I, and I think if I was going to just pick some of the groups, I think one of the reasons I, I kind of like them is they're just, realistically, they got like a self self deprecating humor. I mean, they didn't, they didn't come out, they're not coming out trying to, to be or look a certain way or, or, you know, have certain air about them. I mean, they were just kind of making fun of themselves in a lot of their stuff and they had a lot of humor. And so that kind of, you know, I, I, I like that. They, they didn't take themselves too seriously when it comes to their persona. They embraced it. They embraced it. Uh, kind of, their, their beginnings was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, they started out as um, a uh, they, they won a contest. That's how they, they actually got started. Uh, they, they were originally. Well, you can see the losers of that contest. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. was it a, hey. an eating contest? It was, <laughs> it was a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> it was before uh, Joey Chestnut was yeah, during the competition. The original Joey Kobayashi Chestnut. cried after that event. <laughs> they were so good. <laughs> Uh, they originally um, were called the Disco Three. Uh, I like that. Did you know? Except for it was disco. And it was disco, and and so they won this contest, and and so now they got this promoter who was actually uh, wanting them to be fatter. He was actually telling mm. them, you, "You need to be putting on some weight." So their their concerts would 
Uh, they got this, this uh, <laughs> the concerts be over at midnight. They couldn't get into the hotel until 2.30 and 3, so he would encourage them to go to McDonald's or Burger King <laughs> and to get bigger. And, and, and so mm-hmm. I just, I don't know why I thought that was just so funny, but that just kind of cracks me up. Uh, their, their combined weight at their biggest, I think, was 865 for the three of them. So they were they were fat boys. They would have done well in six-man tag team matches, that's oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Against Typhoon and Tugboat and Haystacks Calhoun. And uh, it, six-man the, 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 sad, the sad thing is um, that, that two of them have passed away. You know, since yes, the they 80s. have. And, and, and sadly, they're kind of weight-related deaths, if you will. I mean, one had a heart Didn't attack. see that coming. Yeah, one was 450 pounds when he died. Mm. Yeah. He was, that's he, strong. That's, that's a big boy. That's a big boy. Five foot six. And, and, and they were, and they were originally <laughs> one of the first, considered one of the first groups to, to do, um, and I like how they put quote-unquote, beatboxing. Mm. And, and, and so they were kind of... The, Can you give us a little sample there, Matt? <laughs> Is that pretty good? That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were the fact that he was ready yeah. on cue to just well, bring I can, it. I can take it there. That was really good. Uh, but but they, they were the first ones to do it. And what's funny is... is like and was, he did it without clearing his throat. I was wow. just clearing my throat. I didn't even beatbox yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, what was funny is I was listening to some of the first songs where they're you know, famous for their beatboxing. And, and realistically... Now it's what they can do is amazing. The, the people that beatbox in, in this day and age, it's amazing what they can do. Um, but when you listen to some of this early Fat Boy stuff, it just sounds really asthmatic. <laughs> it sure it just, does. It just sounds like they're just having trouble breathing, <laughs> and they're just. <laughs> 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 well, it's like that. I mean, it was just a lot of that. It, it I think Buff was probably the, yeah. the biggest of the group. He so. was. He's a, he's one of the past first. So, but yeah. So I mean, so they have they had a lot of a uh, lot of success. Uh, they, they made some movies, uh, disorderlies. <laughs> If the three Scooges made you laugh yourself sick, the Fat Boys could put you in the hospital. In Disorderlies, this greedy nephew is having unhealthy thoughts about his rich uncle. When he dies, I'm going to inherit everything. What? What I need are the worst orderlies in the history of nursing care. They're three of the biggest heroes you'll ever meet. They did make uh, the disorderly movie. Disorderly was actually a pretty huge movie. Actually. It was. That's right. Um, so I mean, they, they, were, they were. I think. I guess in my mind, they were fun. You know, they, they were just. They embraced that time, that era, especially when you think of the eighties. Eighties is a with the all about the me generation, and you know, the let's get physical and health and all about yourself and your looks and then here's these three fat boys just you know asthmatically going through the do you know, stuff do you know who else is in Disorderlies who's else Anthony Geary Luke from General Hospital oh really no kidding really, really? <laughs> <laughs> had to have been the peak of his career oh yeah oh, he yeah. went from being like the most watched soap star in the world to doing a movie with the fat boys there wow. is. he doesn't even get top billing no he no, doesn't it does not he does not we need a star who can we get <laughs> Luke! <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's available. Skywalker? No! No, the other one. Oh, oh. that one. The hospital one? So, so that, there, there's your first little group there. I mean, that's, you know, 
I mean, Mike talked about their song Wipeout last week. That was I was moved to tears. With your <laughs> I was too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was crying as tears I saw, of disappointment as I saw the ratings for our podcast <laughs> plummet into the toilet. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw it out there. So that, that's the first group. We, we, we can move on here. Who's next? All right, Kevin. Bring some credibility. Um, to all right, I'll try. I'm going to go with LL Cool J. His real name is James Todd Smith. That's not a good rapper name. So he turned his LL Cool J, which stands for Ladies Love Cool James. He was signed by a then independent label called Def Jam Records. Someone mentioned earlier, Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin. And he was one of the early rappers to get commercial success. So a lot of the rappers kind of like had an underground following, but he actually kind of started breaking through and getting commercial success. His debut album was in 85, and it peaked at number six on R&B hip-hop charts um, with two hits, I Can't Live Without My Radio, and Rock the Bells. After that, he started opening up for Run DMC and the Beastie Boys, and um, so he was, again, getting more exposure. And then he was the first hip-hop artist to be featured on an American bandstand. Wow. So that was, you know, pretty much a white show up until that point. Yeah. um, So that was kind of a big breakthrough. His second album came out in 87. I'm always amazed how quickly they turn around these albums, right? Oh, so, yeah. oh you're five and seven one after, after the other, yeah. Uh, this one was Bigger and Deffer. It sold over bigger 2 million Deffer. copies. It went to number one on the R&B hip-hop chart and went to number three on the Billboard uh, pop album chart. He had This is the one that had I Need Love, which made it to number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100, which Robbie mentioned last week. Great song. Uh, I'm Bad, Candy, Bristol Hotel, and Go Creator Go. Two years later, he came out with Walking with a Panther, uh, also went to number one on the RB chart and number six on the Billboard uh, Hot 200, or the Billboard 200, I'm sorry. This is the one that had Going Back to Cali, which made it to number 31, and I'm That Type of Guy, which made it to number 15. He also had, do you remember this one, Mike? Big Old Butt. Oh, yeah. And One Shot at Love. And then he continued to have songs throughout the 90s, which we're not going to talk about because we're an 80s podcast. He's also had a very successful acting career uh he i did not realize this but he had a small part in the movie wildcats you remember wildcats yeah, with going uh-huh. on sure he was in that movie was he one of the football players he was a rapper oh, was he okay and he well, was that in, was a stretch for him yeah <laughs> he was like i like this acting part of me I, i'm acting i'm rapping it's like combining both worlds he was in Halloween H2O, In Too Deep, Any Given Sunday, Deep Blue Sea. Of course, he was on the SWAT uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Mind Hunters, Last Holiday, Edison, NCIS, Los Angeles. And in 2021, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. Actually, to be honest, his television movie career is probably equally or more successful. I would say more successful. I would yeah. say so, too. Still relevant. Still looks Pretty young yeah. and in shape. Still, yeah, yeah, he's a year younger than us, I think. A year younger than me. I think he's 55. So, yeah, He's done so much more in his life than I have. Sad. It is. I should have tried harder. <laughs> you should have. Oh, well, it's too late. Oh, what are you going to do? 
All right. So mine is, I mentioned him last week. Uh, we were talking about my favorite, one of my favorite rap songs of the 80s was The Breaks. Uh, I'm talking about Curtis Blow. Hard times spreading just like the flu. You know I caught it just like you. Prices going up, the dollars down. You got me falling to the ground. Turn around, get ready, check out the clock. Get ready, all people for the future shot. Hard times. Hard times. <laughs> Hard times. Time. To the bridge. Hell. I get So Curtis Blow's given name is Curtis Walker, and like I mentioned last week, he was the first rapper to ever sign to a major record deal, signing with Mercury Records. And throughout the 80s, the early part of the 80s, he was one of the architects, so to speak, of what became modern rap and hip-hop music. So many songs that you've heard from him, maybe you didn't realize... Who it was. I guarantee you, you've all heard basketball. Yes, we have. You may have heard Christmas rapping. Yes. You may have heard party time. And I'm chilling. Just to name a few. Today, Curtis Blow is a ordained minister. He attended CCNY, which stands for City College of the University of New York, and Nyack College, where he studied communications, film, and ministry. So he's educated, minister, rapper, and uh, from what they say, all around good guy. So yeah, Curtis Blow, uh, again, back then I didn't really give him time a day. Yeah, I'd known a couple songs. Uh, my brother was probably more into, into hip-hop and rap than I was at the time, so I'd heard it. He'd always try to turn me on to his music. I'm like, you're here Van Halen, Chuck. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we're going to take a brief time out. We'll be right back. We'll finish up our list and uh, stay tuned. Shall we play a game? Hi, I'm Joel McLaughlin, the most excellent host of Living in the Retro Arcade. If you're into video games from the 70s through current day, this is the show for you. We'll talk about technical aspects of the games as well as memories, the best that we can remember them. That's Living in the Retro Arcade, available on all popular podcast platforms. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. We are in the last segment of the podcast talking about our favorite rappers. Now, if you can't tell, we are super excited about this topic. We are excited about this topic. Like, here's the thing, though. I enjoy the music, but I am not as well versed to talk about this as I am, like, maybe 80s New Wave or obscure B-sides <laughs> from the 80s. You know, that I'm getting excited and nobody cares. Rap is something people actually like. So I kind of feel like maybe we're not doing it the best service. You feel like a poser? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. No, I don't. I feel like I am doing good for our listeners. Because, you know, I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners may not be the biggest rap fans either. Some might be. Some people have tuned in just to hear this podcast and are sorely disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And for you people, I apologize. Yeah, we're sorry. But hopefully our conversation will point you towards some of these artists to go back and listen to 
And by the way, go to the go to the Facebook page, post music videos, uh, memories, uh, things of some of your favorite hip hop rap artists, songs, you know, concerts you've been to. That's what that page is for to share your '80s memories. So hopefully, we'll get a little bit of that going on. Let's hope so. All right, let's hope. Okay, so. Getting back to the talk here, Matt, you have probably one of the most exciting artists here of the whole podcast. Like, for me, mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear about yeah, this absolutely. One. Yeah, that's a good one. So, everybody that you know, we're talking about is very mainstream, and, and that's great, but, but uh, back in the day... Uh, you know, in, in the late 80s, I mean, I was, I was all about the church world. And, and and so I I was into some of this stuff. I mean, I like these groups we're talking about. However, uh, my focus was a little bit different because I was trying to find the, the, the Christian alternatives to all this kind of music. Now, rap was no different. Uh, I think when you, you find out different genres have different groups, and, and is there a Christian alternative? Is there a Christian heavy metal? Yeah, there's Christian pop. But would there be any Christian uh, rap in the 80s? Well, the answer was yes. There's actually all kinds of groups in the 80s that did uh, what they call rap music. Shocking. Because these kids are liking this rap music. These kids are liking this stuff. I mean, uh, some of the groups that that had uh, some success in the 80s, Michael Peace, uh, T-Bone, JC and the Boys, Soldiers for Christ, PID, which is Preacher... Preachers in Disguise, what they call themselves. Uh, D-Boy Rodriguez, Disciples of Christ. There, there were several different groups, and, and I'm assuming 99.9 of those listening to this podcast have never heard of any of these groups. I think and, you're right. And P- that's fine. PID is the only one I'd heard of that you named there. Hmm. Well, the, the, uh, the one group that had probably the most mainstream success uh, would, would be DC Talk. I've heard of them. Yeah, I, I assumed you would have. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite groups, uh, you know, of all time. Uh, they were just three dudes. Went to Liberty University. They started in 1987, so they just kind of come in on the tail end of the 80s. The group was made up of uh, Toby McKeon or Toby Mack, Michael Tate, and Kevin Max, and uh, they were interesting dudes. They met at Liberty University, and and of the group, Toby Toby Mack was was the rapper. Um, Michael Tate and Kevin uh, Kevin Max more more the singers kind of stuff. So not all their not all of their they were more like uh, hip hop groups, uh, but they have some raps rap songs and uh, I mean and, and some of them well, I got really cheesy. I mean looking back oh, yeah. at some of them now the rap stuff was kind of kind of hard hard to listen to kind now. Of, kind of bubblegum a little bit uh, bubblegum a lot, a lot of yeah. bubblegum yeah. Like, you know, well, the rap in 1989, the hip-hop back then was kind of bubblegum. The mainstream stuff was. Yeah, so like, like they got a song called 
I Love Rap Music, um, which was in 1990, so he referenced that one. But that is really bubblegum. Yes, <laughs> it is. So yes, it is. Now, rap started as a voice of the street, a sort of politics to a dead old beat. The rapper started bragging all about the gold and the girlies and the beaches and the big black holes. In 83, the beatbox hit. I'm making funky drum sounds from out your lips. But taking on new forms, rappers move from the block. And some mix it with soul and some mix it with rock. You know what? I love But they were trying to kind of, you know, be hardcore or at least relatable, you know. Uh, but like, 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 they got a song called Heaven Bound, which was, at the time, I was going, oh, this is freaking awesome. And, and it's not bad. It, it's good. You know, for back then, it, it, it's great for what it was. Uh, but, you know, the DC Talk stands for Decent Christian Talk. And that's kind of uh, their, their forte. And so, and, and they, to their credit, they still... So, you know, sing together. They, they're still so relevant still, today. They're still relevant today. They still do like reunion tours now. They they've all kind of split in different directions. Toby Mac is he works on his own. Uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Max was he was with uh, Audio Drone for a while, then did some solo stuff. Still does solo stuff. Michael Tate's with a group called Newsboys, but they still do DC Talk reunion shows every now and then. So. And luckily, their music evolved over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, as a, you know, we talk about their solo stuff, but as a group, it got a lot better than their oh, debut album. Oh, it really did. I mean, yeah, they, they've got very quality, quality sounds. If you, yeah. Yeah, if you're just looking for, you know, just going to just check out some kind of a Christian genre music, they would be a great one to look at. I mean, uh, Especially in you know, mid '90s, late '90s, you will you'll, you won't be disappointed in what you hear. That's for sure. Yeah, their impact on Christian music today is still huge. Absolutely. Now, does Toby Mac have his own recording company? Is he a producer? Because he, he seems to be the one launching a lot of up and coming talent. Oh yeah, he, he pushes a, a lot of a lot of the, the young up and coming um, people come through his uh, Jamie Grace. Um, there's a lot of people that come under his umbrella. I mean, he's like the prince of Christian music, maybe. Yeah, I've always kind of—I mean, I always kind of thought it was like the Justin Timberlake of Christian music. I mean, yeah, that's a good yeah. comparison. Kind of I'd like, say musically, yes, but as far as developing artists, yeah. you know, like I had the privilege of watching him last weekend. Mm-hmm. About eighteen to twenty thousand people still in attendance. The dude's still rocking, still entertaining. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably 56, 57 years old, still doing this. Looks thing. like he's 35. I hate his guts. I know. Yeah. Well, we, we have a local connection to DC Talk. Yeah, 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 we do. One of our, a guy I grew up with, uh, went to high school with, drummer for uh, DC Talk for many, many years, like 20, 25 years, uh, Rick May, who uh, just actually passed past year. So it's a sad connection there, but man, that was. Uh, so awesome! One of the most talented drummers, of, I mean, ever. So seeing seeing some of the performances and look back here and seeing Rick was uh, pretty cool stuff. So good stuff. Love yeah. me some DC talk. If you've never heard of them, most likely you haven't. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. Now the rap stuff in the eighties. Uh, have fun with it. Enjoy for what for what it is. But <laughs> give them a chance. There you yeah. go. Mike. Well, a lot of our rappers, you know, had. Some acting talents. This guy, he was an athlete. 
known publicly as Paul New, but his rapper name, PN News. <laughs> and the look that Rob is giving me right now, and that, for those of you who don't know who PN News is, it was a pro wrestler in WCW. <laughs> but that's not really who my next rapper is. That was that was really for Rob's benefit and for the handful of wrestling fans who are out there who enjoy Even our Even those comments. wrestling fans. Who? <laughs> he, he could have been the fourth fat boy. Yeah, he, could have been. <laughs> he was billed at 403 pounds. Mm. Yes. Wow. Come wrap out wrap into the ring in this skin tight spandex that oh, just wow. accentuated his rough, build. Rough to, I think his move was like the flying sit slam. Like <laughs> oh, he, he would sit-slam. he would run across the ring and just land on your butt first and Oh that's great. Yeah. No. But in reality, salt and pepper. They were hot. They were dirty. The damn news is probably better. <laughs> they were hot. They were dirty. They were nasty. Mm-hmm. But they're very intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> Salt and pepper was made up of. Once chick- again, audience, I apologize. <laughs> profusely. Salt and pepper, yeah. <laughs> the uh, group was made up of Cheryl James, known as Salt, Sandra Denton as Peppa, and. Deidre Roper as Spinderella. So, here's a little fun fact for you. Which one burned down Andre Risen's house? No, that wasn't. That was uh, Destiny's it's Child. All Destiny's gotcha. Left Eye. Yeah, Left Eye Lopez. Left Eye okay. Lopez. Yes. No, none of them. Here's a little fun fact. Uh, Salt and Pepper met while they worked at the Sears Call Center. But, do you guys know who also worked at the exact same Sears Call Center that was good friends with theirs? So you got John Rick, McNeil. Rick Spurgfield. No, <laughs> that is two great guesses. <laughs> but no, you've got um, Martin, Lawrence. Martin Lawrence and Chris Reed and Chris Martin, who are later known as Kid and Play. You're kidding. No. They all work there together. Yes, they're quite a call center. That is quite a call center. That would be a great place to work. A bit of fun. Imagine the fun, the breaks. John McNeil worked there with them. He might have. (laughs) He might have. Oh, that's funny. So, anyway, yeah. All of them friends, all of them work there together. I know. That's awesome, though. That is that is kind of surprising. I wonder if once one of them became somewhat like getting a career, they're like, "Hey, I've got these friends I used to work with. Right. You should mm-hmm. listen to them." Huh. Never know. Yeah, so you go back to the old house party movies. You know, you got Martin saw, Lawrence and Chris Reed and Chris Martin, and there's Kid and Play. I saw Kid and Play in a commercial the other day for like an insurance company. I did too. Yeah, yeah, they did. I did too. Kid doesn't look like a kid anymore, did he? No, he doesn't. Yeah. He can't yeah. high top fade it very well anymore. That's for sure. A little thinner up there. So uh, their first album was released in 1986. It was called Hot, Cool, and Vicious. Reached number 26 on the Billboard and number 7 on the R&B charts. 
Um, they soon followed up their second album in 1988, A Salt with a Deadly Peppa. You got it. That is. Yeah. So some of my favorite songs are Push It. <laughs> Push It Real Good. My actual favorite one is Shoop. Yeah, agreed. Shoop, Shoop, That's their best one, Shoop. I agree. But it's the 90s. Yep. And let's talk about SCX. And what a man. So, you know, they're pretty nasty. They were very graphic in their lyrics, but uh, like I said, very intriguing. Mike Moore dug them. I dug them. All right, I'm going to go with DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. When I walked into school, it was just as I thought. The kids were cracking up, laughing at the clothes mom bought. And those who weren't laughing still had a ball. Because they were pointing and whispering as I walked down the hall. I got home and told my mom how my day went. She said if they were laughing, you don't need them because they're not good friends. For the next six hours, I tried to explain to my mom that I was going to have to go through this about 200 more times. So to you other kids all across the land... And Mike, where were they born and raised? Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. Yes, I'm sorry, West (laughs) Philadelphia. Uh, Will Smith was the Fresh Prince, and Jeff Towns was DJ Jazzy Jeff. They met at a house party. The person that was supposed to be there for Jeff Towns didn't show up on time. Will Smith kind of filled in. They just hit it off. They had a rapport. Sort of like, you know, Rob and Matt had this rapport. And in fact, when the other guy showed up, he was kind of disappointed. Jeff Towns was disappointed. Like, Hi, I was really having this connection with with uh, Will Smith. So they started working together. And they recorded a song called Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble, which sampled I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, we sure do. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, so, so they were a, a cleaner version. They're, they're very, uh, they're they're kind of like rap for kids and teenagers. You know, it's very, it's very clean for the for the most part. So, I, I remember, fat boys. Yeah, I remember the interviews with Will Smith kind of in the early days, and he would talk about how his grandmother would simply say to him, "You don't have to use profanity. If you're an intelligent person, you could think of something else to say besides the f bomb." Thanks, yeah. Grandma. Yeah. Yeah, it was good advice. Russell Simmons heard about him, and he signed him to the Jive Records. It was the first album. Uh, the first album was Rock the House, which sold 300,000 copies, which not too shabby. They are just the third group to receive platinum certification. Of course, this happened after their 1988 album came out. He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper, which had two big hits. Parents Just Don't Understand, which made it to number 12, and was an MTV staple, and Nightmare on My street which is number 15 uh they received the first grammy award for best rap performance for parents just don't understand so that was like a new category and they were the first ones to win it they then started touring with run dmc and public enemy which i think is kind of interesting because they're so clean cut and they're opening up for public enemy i think that's kind of an interesting combination but it seemed to work out okay in 1989 they had a second album and in this corner wasn't successful, but they did have a hit off of that called I Think I Can Beat Mike Tyson, a minor hit. It made us number 58. From there, Will Smith started acting. He got into a TV show called Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. What was it called? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Interesting. Never heard of it? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Towns had cameos. Have you guys seen the remake called, I think it's just called Bel-Air, 
Mm-hmm. It's on yeah. Peacock. Yep. So basically, it takes the Fresh Prince and Carlton and the whole Banks family. It's like modern day, like the same characters, same characters but it's same a drama. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like is it? Carlton struggles with drugs and, oh, and uh, Will's getting like money given to him by college yes, recruiters for yeah. basketball and wow. fighting and near death and stuff. It, it's not it's not bad. It's not bad, it's not no, bad at it's all. It's just but, different. But it's just expecting. funny hearing like Carlton doing the dance and then you got, you know, this Carlton like snorting lines of coke. So hmm. well, which is maybe why the eighties Carlton did the way he did. So, coked up. That I'm could, enjoying Tom Jones. He might be on to something. <laughs> he became a, began a, began a very successful acting career um, after Fresh Prince. He was in a few movies called uh, Bad Boys. I've heard of that one. One, two, three. Independence Day, Men in Black. He was also in Hitch and Hancock, and of course, not too long ago, he was in a movie called King Richard, where he plays the Williams sisters' uh, father. He actually mm-hmm. won Best Actor in a Leading Role, mm-hmm. and he took that award just moments after he had slapped Chris Rock across the face. Yeah, yeah. So, good stuff. The good and the bad of that night for him. Yeah, no kidding. Nothing up and down night right there. But, uh, yeah, DJ Jazzy Jeff and a Fresh Prince. Good stuff. Great stuff. Favorite song, I'd have to be say, is Summertime, but I'm sure that's from the 90s. I yeah. think that might be 90. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Kind of changed his style a little bit in the '90s. Became Slowed a little more, a little, little more adult, getting more of a soulful sound. You know, he did that. Uh, Read me that. Just the two of us. Oh, yes, uh-huh. I like that one. Which I think, I think Doctor Evil and Minnie Me's version was mm-hmm. better. <laughs> that is true. That is good. <sighs> Very good. So mine, uh, I'm sure one of you other guys would have would have said this one if I hadn't snatched it. Two but, Life Crew. Uh, cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely has to be in the list. Uh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. This group has got more credibility than anyone we've mentioned tonight. They're a hip hop rap group. They were formed in 1981. Uh, they're actually uh, they came out of a band called the Young Aborigines, where they were an experimental hardcore punk band. And how they got started into rap was by accident. They made a song called Cookie Puss in 1983. It's a comedy parody thing. But it became a regional hit, and when they did that, uh, they decided they were going to make a rap album, and that's where License to Ill came in. At. No kidding. And the rest is history. So good history. You got to fight for your right to party. Became a huge hit. Peaked at number seven in 1987, and it's like an anthem for the 80s. Yes, <laughs> I mean they've had seven platinum-selling albums, which is a million copies apiece. And they're the biggest selling rap group ever, selling over 20 million copies. Huh. Wow. I thought so, it was Vanilla Ice, but yeah, what do I know? <laughs> uh, they're made up of Ad Rock, MCA, and 
Mike D. Uh, those are the three core members. They had some other people kind of in and out, but those are the three core members. Ad Rock, Adam Horvitz, he's the one with kind of like that uh, that whiny little sassy voice. Adam Yawk was MCA. He passed away in 2012. And then Mike D, which is Mike Michael Diamond. That's his name. You had to think about that. Wow, 2012. I didn't realize it had been that long. Has it yeah, been that long? It has oh, been wow. that long. So after he passed away, they just decided, you know, we're, we don't need to go on. You know, that, that was our band, and he's he's gone. Uh, I would really, I mean, if you guys get the chance, check out the Beastie Boys documentary on Apple TV. Very well done. It, I think I talked about it on here once. Uh, probably shortly after it came out, but it's basically the two surviving members, Ad Rock and Mike D, in a large theater, and they're kind of telling the oral history of the band, how they got started. They're going back and forth with video clips and some interviews with people that knew them along the way and kind of their struggles to get signed. They're fighting with the record company about publishing rights and you know they were very very intelligent very smart guys so they really fought for what was theirs and their success speaks for itself Uh, they were inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame in 2012 it was shortly before mca passed away so that was a kind of a nice exclamation point on their career but yeah uh, at the time when the beastie boys came out um I heard them and thought, wow, that, that's a different sound. It's probably the first time I had heard a rap group in the midst of their success going, wow, this is this is good stuff. Yeah, I will say the Beastie Boys. Playing trivia a couple weeks ago, and one of the questions was, in 1986, what was the first rap album to go to number one in 1986? You know, And we're like, Beastie Boys. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if they'd said a year later, it might, might, have, been, might have been Run DMC, but 86, I mean, it's got to be the Beastie Boys license yeah. to ill. So. One thing I noticed that was interesting when I was looking up the Beastie Boys was in 1985, they toured with Madonna. And I just Did they think, really? I think the wow, crowd... I think the crowd that would have been there would have not gotten them at all. <laughs> what? Or they came for them and then left for Madonna. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That's Madonna now. We're leaving. No kidding. Who put well, that one? Well, yeah. see, here's the thing. This was like 1985. This is a year before License to Ill came mm-hmm. out. Cookie Puss is the only song anybody right, ever, right. ever heard of of theirs. You know, there is a genre of rap music that was very kind of unique to itself. Really? Yes. So about 1985, 1986, all of these professional sports teams thought that they needed to create their own rap song. So I'm going to kind of list a few for you. So 1985, you had the Super Bowl Shuffle by the Chicago Bears. Probably the most well-known of this one. Um, You also had the 1986, the L.A. Rams did Ram It. Also in 86 was the Raiders' Silver Black Attack. Get it to X, let's do it through. 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 
And the Redskins did a song in thanks to their fans called The Twelfth Man. In 1988, you had the Eagles rap. And in 
in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.